Hey everybody, this is Mike Costello with the Hunting Ain't Easy podcast on a hot end of July day, and uh, I'm introducing episode 11. I'm going to have a little bit longer than normal intro. Uh, I want to cue this up a little bit and give some background to it and uh, share some details on on notes that I've put into the, uh, or some links I've put in the show notes. So this conversation, uh, I talked with Devin O'Day of the California chapter of the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Organization. Um, the origin of the episode came down to a dialogue that I was having with them on Instagram, good old social media. And the focus of their post was about House Resolution 972. So it's a federal bill in Congress, H.R. 972. And basically, this bill will enable the creation of a wildlife refuge in Riverside County here in Southern California. Um, My immediate reaction was, this is no good because wildlife refuges are effectively not huntable. And I'm looking at that through the lens of a big game hunter focus on, you know, bear, deer, pigs, elk, etc. And so the response was, oh no, you know, there's all these different refuges are huntable in California. I'm like, okay, well, which one can I hunt deer on? And it comes down to one. And so there's like, you know, so there's 40 national, some like 40 national wildlife refuges in California. One of them allows deer hunting, which to me is still unsatisfactory. So it goes back to, well, why is this something that we should get behind? Um, as opposed to converting this land into some other form of public lands that we could have more access to. And so they actually said, Hey, you know, let's, uh, let's take this conversation out of social media and put it on the podcast. And, and really that's how social media should work. Um, when we get to a point of, you know, kind of a stalemate on an issue, or we've, we've each shared a snippet of information, but neither, neither of it's, neither snippets complete or necessarily fully accurate. Um, we got to, we got to dive deep uh, on these things and really understand what are the issues at play and what's being done and what, you know, what are the details so that anybody can actually make a decision. And so I'm glad they reached out and said, let's put this on the podcast because this is a better forum for that deep dive. And uh, I know I'm more informed about it. I'm more informed about some of the work that Backcountry Hunters and Anglers is doing in the state. And um, I think it was a good conversation. Additionally, I reached out to, or I put up on Instagram and, and Facebook, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to talk to Devin with BHA. You know, what kind of questions do you have? And I got some uh i got some responses that really focus on some of the national issues that bha is involved in uh, especially their stance on some second amendment rights issues and uh and then also their stance on some of the um, nominees that the biden administration has put up for cabinet positions and i'll admit at the national level i've got some concerns about bha um I wish they were not so, I, I don't know, I, I think as a, as a, as a organization focused on public lands access, I think they have decided, and it's probably true, that they have to be in a position to work with any administration, with any political leanings. And so 
I think their default setting is to uh, kind of work with whoever's there. But uh, that could be frustrating. They're they're essentially going to make make at least half of their audience pissed off. Um, but those things aside, you know, the national issues are. It's hard for any of us to plant our flag on those um, when it's the local chapter that's doing stuff in our backyard that's going to have uh, real impact on day-to-day -day opportunities in the state of California. And, and you know, further, as a community of hunters that makes up maybe 1% of the state's population, we need to become much better at working with people that we disagree with. Like we need to be able to work with organizations and people who are going to do work on the pieces of our platform that make our goals possible. If we only work with people and organizations that will will do work on all of our platform, then we're not going to have a whole lot of partners uh, and we're not going to have a whole lot of allies. And so, um, you know, example, you know, habitat management is critical. Habitat improvement is critical in the state. You know, we're going to have allies in that space that are not hunters. We might have allies in that space that are actually against hunting, but we can find a way to work together with them to improve wildlife and habitat. And that's a good for us. And so um, similarly, you know, getting the non-hunting community to understand and accept predator management as a good tool to support all wildlife species, that is critical. Um, achieving that is going to require some uncomfortable conversations and going through some disagreement before we can say that we have progress there. Um, so, you know, we've got to have the non-hunting community support us in what we want to do. And so we can't only work with those that are lockstep with everything that we think about. Um, and finally, you know, maintaining and even expanding our access to hunt public lands is critical. Uh, and on that last point, that is backcountry hunters and anglers wheelhouse. Public lands access is one of their top priorities. And we have some opportunities to do better here in the state and they are working on those things. And so with that, um, I'm not that concerned about the national issues. The national issues move very slow. Um, there are legal protections that I, I trust over the long haul will remain in place. And so I like the fact that we've got an ally here in the state that's working on things in our backyard that will actually affect us year in and year out. Um, that's what they're good at. And to my knowledge, access, public lands access, um, as the top issue that they get involved in, there's not a lot of players in that field that are doing work on our behalf. And so uh, they're in the legal realm of it. They're in the political realm of it. They're in the social media realm of it. And they're working behind the scenes and they know all the players, they know all the organizations and agencies, and they know how to work with those folks and, and try to move the ball forward for us. So I think that's super important to keep in mind. Um, so with that, whether or not you're going to join BHA and become a card carry member, you know, that's up to you. Um, one way or the other, we all got to make our decision as to where to, where to, you know, 
kind of park some dollars to support these organizations. But I encourage you, regardless of your decision there, I encourage you to follow the California chapter of BHA and follow national BHA as well. You can go on their website, you can sign up to receive their, their, their legislative alerts and their action alerts. So you know what they're working on and you know, when there's an opportunity to get your voice involved to support something or to go against something if you need to, um, as that's come up as well. Uh, but, but you got to follow them to get those, those emails and, and see what's going on. And so information is, is power. And, uh, so is your voice and your informed voice is, uh, twice as powerful, if not more than that. Um, so I encourage you to check them out. Devin and I had a great conversation uh, looking at the issues that are relevant to the, to the California hunting community. Uh, I think we're, we're pretty well aligned on nearly all the issues that they're working on here in the state. You know, They're working on not just HR 972, but they're working on getting the Castle Mountain National Monument uh, designation changed or moved over to the Mojave uh, Desert Preserve. And so that would give it, uh, that would basically reopen public land access, public, you know, hunting access to that, that, that land. Um, they're working on that. They're working on uh, guzzler projects all over the south end of the state. Um, they're working on identifying upwards of the status, location, and kind of repair needs of up to 400 different guzzlers in Cleveland National and San Bernardino National Forests. Um, you know, they're doing a lot of work in the, in the south half of the state, which really doesn't affect me, but as, as, as far as the state is concerned, it affects a lot of us. And I think it's really cool work that they're doing um, that will benefit us. And at a larger level, they're working on getting hunting access to the San Joaquin National Wildlife Refuge, um, not just waterfowl, but but some big game hunting. So they're pushing, you know, a lot of levers on that issue that will potentially benefit many of us. And, uh, and therefore, I think it's important for the California hunting community to know what's going on. I've put into the show notes uh, several links, which I think are, are really worthwhile to, to click through on. Um, there's, a, there's a blog covering that the BHA posted up that, that covers the issues around HR 972 specifically. Um, there's also a link to a National Wildlife Refuge Hunting Access Report that BHA co-authored with the Teddy Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. Another uh, organization that I think is is doing good work at the national and state levels, um, and then the, I post up a link to uh, BHA's opposition to the proposed bear hunting ban uh, from earlier this year. They came out quick and they came out pretty firm on on being against that bear hunting ban legislation, and they engaged uh, some tools that we could all use and tr to help email our our representatives and share our voices uh in, in opposition to that legislation so in aggregate what i see is the california chapter of bha is doing work on our behalf and it is important for us to know what they're doing and there's going to be some opportunities for us to stand behind them uh, with our voices and with our 
messages to legislative representatives in Congress or here in the state to uh, let those folks know what we are interested in seeing happen in regards to access and habitat management and uh, our public lands here in the state of California. So hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh, check out those links. Please do some research. And remember, social media is just the start of it. If there's a real issue, we've got to take some time to deep dive it and understand what's going on uh, at the root of the matter and who's doing what work on our behalf. So take care. Have a great weekend and uh, enjoy the heat. All right. Hey, folks, this is Mike with the Hunting Ain't Easy podcast, and um, we've just about wrapped up the bear series, and that was a big hit. So thank you, everybody who who listened into that and uh, reached out with some support about it and shared it um, with their friends who are going to get out and grab a bear tag and hopefully be successful this year. Um, I've, I've got a guest on today that demonstrates the magic of social media. Um uh, about a week or two ago, uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers uh, California chapter posted something up on Instagram, and I, I, I commented about it, like, hey, you know, I don't know if this is good, and they were supporting it, and, and on the side, they reached out to me and said, you know what, this would be a good topic to get on the podcast with, and, um, and I agree, and so I think that's one of the biggest things that I want this forum to be good for is to get um, conservation uh wildlife you know experts in the field of conservation wildlife public lands access public lands management um all those things uh i wanted to bring them to the the podcast here so that we as a hunting community can learn more about how things work in the uh in all the different arenas that affect decisions or drive decisions that affect us as hunters so i want to welcome uh devin o'day uh, he is the California chapter coordinator for the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers um, nonprofit. I want to say conservation and, and public access, uh, you know, advocacy, advocacy group. Um, I'll kick it over to you, Devin. I'd love to hear, you know, kind of your perspective, your view of what BC or BHA is all about. And also just a little bit about yourself in terms of hunting and the outdoors and, and why you're, why you get to sit in this seat today as, as the coordinator. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. And, uh, it'll start just kind of with my background, what got me into it and that'll lead me into BHA. Uh, so grew up in Northern California and have been fishing, backpacking, abalone diving, uh, from a very early age. And, you know, wild food, uh, cooking, what, what I'm out there, uh, chasing is, is everything for me. That's since I was a little kid, I enjoyed cooking fish up in the mountains. And my first backpacking trip was a live off the land. Let's go catch mountain trout and survive. And we starved for like four days, but you know, <laughs> that's one way to start. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we caught a few fish, but they're like these little six inch, seven inch little mountain trout, wild trout. And I did, it taught me a lesson, but, uh, certainly taught me the appreciation for, you know, getting your ass kicked a little bit and, and yeah. the struggle and, and, you know, that respect and appreciation for, for where your food comes from. And so that's really been the drive, uh, for a lot of these things for me and didn't grow up in a family that hunted, um, you know, I'm the first person to get into it. And it wasn't until after college, went to school at UC Santa Barbara and <clears throat> did a ton of spearfishing there and 
you know, con continued sort of like that ocean and fishing uh, part of my life. And that uh, sort of transition down the road after college into bow hunting. And it's something I actually got into with my wife, which is rad. And uh, we chase, yeah. we chase deer uh, all over and uh, deer and antelope and whatever we can draw tags for. And, and so we live in San Diego now. Um, she's been successful down here uh, with her bow and I've been out there with her and that's just a really, really cool experience. And last year we did a trip to Wyoming with our, she was four months old at the time and uh, rented an RV. We we're like COVID going crazy. What's happening? Right. The world's shutting down. We've got two tags each. We both drew a buck tag, um, pronghorn buck. And we were like, let's, let's do it. We've got a newborn. We'll make it happen. And uh, we we're both successful. So nice. Yeah, with our bows, and so we're we've been surviving off antelope for the uh, the last year, and it's, it's like it could be worse. It, it could be it, a lot. Worse. It could be a lot worse. That's it's that's the, awesome. Yeah, it's the best food on the planet, if you ask me. I mean, maybe the best kept secret, but um, nothing really tops it in my book. So very very fortunate and stoked on that, and uh, our yeah. daughter loves it as well. So that's probably the most important <laughs> part yeah, of the whole start. equation. Good start. But um. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess, I guess for BHA, like what, what got me into BHA, um, was, was really archery. And, um, I was the marketing manager for victory archery for some time. And we did a program with BHA where, um, I got victory to sponsor them because okay. I was a member and, and I, you know, had, had found out about it from a, from a friend, um, who also shot archery. And so we made a private label arrow for them as a sponsorship deal. And, and then that's how I got to know some of the guys at BHA and really understand more about the work and what's happening within the organization. And then a job came up when I talked to uh, one of the development coordinators about the program. He was going, he said, oh, I've got a board meeting. We're going to go backcountry uh, hunting and fishing for a week as a retreat. And I'm like, this is your job? Like, It's a good board meeting. I'm like, sign me up. And this, this is incredible. Like, This is yeah. what you do for work. Yeah. So um, he told me about the California chapter coordinator position and I applied and that's where I am today. And I couldn't, couldn't be more excited about just hunt, working in this space and getting to uh, advocate for wild public lands, waters, and wildlife. That's really like what BHA does. We were founded in 2004 around a campfire in Oregon. And uh, the impetus for the organization was, you know, basically a voice for the silent wilderness for people that enjoy getting out, hunting, fishing in the backcountry, and making sure that there was representation there. You know, there's a lot of fantastic groups that do um, incredible work in the conservation space. And mm -hmm. a lot of it is more focused on, you know, one species or one particular aspect. And BHA mm -hmm. is a little bit broader. And we look at, um, you know, entire habitats. We look at um, public access issues and uh, advocating for water quality, advocating for uh, good quality habitat for for everything that we're out there chasing and and all the other critters in between and yeah. um, ethical hunting and there, there's so much that BHA does but um, that's really the broad umbrella and that's what kind of lured me in in the beginning. Yeah, so really, obviously, backcountry we all have our different definition, but you know, say it's you know beyond the end of the road, beyond the tra beyond the road. Um, I would guess that means you all have have. Um, your focus is very broad in that it could be pretty much any type of public land interaction. Is that, is that fair? I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. And, and water too, you know, mm -hmm. being in California, 
um, and with just my natural kind of like connection to the ocean, um, we certainly, I, I want to get more involved on marine conservation issues and I'll take my kayak out and paddle three miles out, um, to go, you know, catch rockfish and lingcod and whatever yeah. I can get after in the yellowtail. So, you know, that's backcountry as you can get in my book. Um, it, it feels wild out there when you're, when you're paddling out into it. So I bet. there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of public land that maybe gets overlooked and, mm-hmm. and, and that's some of the stuff I'm sure we can talk about on this podcast, but you know, backcountry is, is what you make. And it doesn't, BHA isn't just relegated to wilderness areas and stuff like sure. that. I mean, we're it, all public lands we're looking at. We want to expand that hunting access and promote habitat and water quality everywhere we can. Right. Where do you guys find, you know, to, to do that and to do it effectively and at such scale, um, it seems like there's going to be times where you're going to, you're going to have to partner with, with, with groups that aren't, you know, necessarily hunting focused, um, which can create tension sometimes. But, you know, if you're only hunting focused, that really narrows the number of partners or allies that you can, that you can work with. Um, where do you, where, how do you guys navigate that um, with hunters and anglers, you know, in your title? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, if, if there's a group that's out there advocating against hunting, if they're anti-hunting, we're not going to partner with them. I mean, it's going to be pretty, I I would find it very unusual. I don't know of any instances that we've ever done that. And it's just not in our, it doesn't, it doesn't work out, but there's a number of groups, like you mentioned that are just out there advocating for wilderness, or maybe they're advocating for um, habitat improvement or migration corridors Mm -hmm. or any number of, of smaller regional specific things that yeah. we absolutely will partner with. And, and a lot of times they're, they're not advocating for hunting, but they're not opposed to it. And so sometimes just starting the conversation with them about it uh, and, and educating people on really what hunting is and why people hunt and, you know, knocking down some of the sort of misnomers about trophy hunting. And right. that was what, you know, it, w- with bear hunting in the state, I'm sure you've covered this at length, oh, yeah. but you know, it's, we eat bears, like right. bear fat is fantastic. Bear yep. meat is great. You know, bears were, were the staple before deer. So it's like yep. these, but a lot of people don't know that. And if you didn't grow up in a hunting family and if you're not in this tradition, um, as I wasn't at one point in my life, yeah. then you wouldn't have that perspective. Yeah. Well, and the trophy thing aside, like trophy hunting by definition means you've got hunters that are passing on numerous animals. They're passing on younger animals. They're passing on animals that haven't fully developed. They're passing on on animals that are still just coming into their prime to find the animal that's the biggest, oldest, possibly past its prime, closest to dying naturally. Like it's like there's so much about if you are truly a trophy hunter, you are by in effect paying exorbitant amounts of money <laughs> to not shoot a lot of animals <laughs> because you're yeah. willing you're willing to you're willing to actually not succeed. Um, so you're not just shooting anything. And so it would almost fall if people understood what trophy hunting was, it almost fall as a more, as a preferred method that, you know, an anti-hunter would support. But anyways, that's, that's a rabbit hole. So on, on the species specific thing, I think, you know, is, um, you guys are doing some work, uh, to support bighorn sheep, as I understand what, who are some of the partners that came together on, what was it? The castle, um, Castle Mount, Castle Mountains National Monument. 
you know, who are some of the different teams and, and organizations that got together in that? And what did you guys do um, for that project and what's going on down there? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that one up. So we partnered with the Society for Conservation of Bighorn Sheep. And that's are they a hunting just, organization? <laughs> you know, they're, they're actually, their, their membership is kind of split. Okay. Um, there's a number of guys out there that don't hunt and mm-hmm. they just love providing habitat for bighorn sheep. And there's a bunch of guys that do hunt um, cool. and they're not political. They don't really weigh in on stuff. They just do habitat projects and they do a ton of them okay. and they're, they're out there just, I mean, I think they've had a work project like every weekend for the last like five months. Almost. Wow. I mean, um, yeah, really impressive stuff. And so we, we worked with them on castle mountains and also the Mojave national preserve. We, uh, Neil Darby was a, is a biologist out there and, and he was really helpful, um, just with, you know, some of the permitting stuff. And, and he also came out and, uh, got out there, got after it in 110 degree weather, whatever it was, you know, middle of summer in the Mojave chipping away at some nasty granite, whatever we were getting into with a jackhammer and pickaxes. Um, that pro- I mean, it was, it was beast. Uh, it was, it was a lot of work. Yeah. I actually, um, so I drove, drove through the night to get there. Um, first thing in the morning showed up, it's, it's looking at, you know, at my temperature gauge on my truck, it's 104 in the minute. It's pitch black outside. And I'm driving. It's <laughs> still going, dark. God, it's still dark. I'm like, <laughs> what am I getting into? Um, but first time for me being in that area actually. And it's, it's incredible. You've got, you know, these Joshua trees and you've got these Choya cactus and mm-hmm. um, junipers and just the landscape is, it just looks like it would hold big, big deer yeah. uh, and bighorn sheep. And there's, there's huge rabbits um, and chucker and, and quail. And so it's, it's a pretty awesome landscape to be out in. And the project okay. was to repair a guzzler that um, was in serious disrepair. Um, and just based on the, due to drought conditions, the, um, there's a, basically like a tank, um, like a little natural spring there mm-hmm. that w- with, um, some irrigation that feeds down to the, the tanks. And because the, the drought and the water table is so low right now, we had to take that whole system down like a couple feet Oh wow! in order to, to get to the water table, uh, and then to continue that negative slope to the tank. So, so these are naturally, th- this tank is naturally fed when it, when it's operating the way it needs to. It is, it's a natural water source there that is just collected. And there's also wow. a, a rain collection mat there okay. just to help. Um, so it's like all the water we can get to fight, you know, these kind of drought years. Yeah. And the tank actually had, had a crack in it. So we had to fix the crack. Um, we had to fix some, some plumbing issues and then, um, drop this whole system down to get to the water table. So it was, a, it was a good bit of work. And I mean, this is digging with pickaxes, jackhammers and, and shovels in 110 degree heat for two yeah. days. Yeah. And, and we didn't have a huge crew, you know, like this is just summertime. That's not exactly sure. when people want to do work projects in the Mojave, but um, we had a, a great crew uh, and, and it, we got the work done. And, and so, you know, this is going to benefit all wildlife in the area. It's not just bighorn sheep. It's not just mule deer. It's right. You no, know, this is these type of uh, drinker boxes will, will support any type of wildlife that's out there. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think that's some of the stuff where we can add, we can talk about this work 
and show other groups that are maybe not hunting groups that will be supportive to the cause of, Hey, like, you know, we are supporting all the wildlife in the region. It may be great to, for, for deer and bighorn sheep, but it's, right. it's helping everything. And, the, yeah. and, you know, like this, this particular area is interesting because you can't hunt there anymore. No. And you said anymore, that's that it, there was a time where, where people could, could, was it just for bighorn or you could hunt mule deer and, and other animals too? This is BLM. You can hunt everything. I mean, okay. BLM is like the, as, as you're aware, BLM is pretty unrestricted uh, as right. far as designations go. So you could hunt everything. And, um, some of, from what I've been told, some of the biggest mule deer in the state are taken out of here. I mean, if you look yeah. across the border in Nevada and it, you know, searchlight is the closest town in Nevada okay. to draw a tag. There is almost impossible. Okay. Yeah. And you used to be able to draw tags here pretty easily. So this was like a killer zone for mule deer and it was not that hard to draw. And what happened was there was a national monument created Right. Um, under the Obama administration and throughout the process, from what I've been told, this is kind of before my time, but there was no intention of removing hunting access. And then in but the it's a monument, <laughs> it's a monument, but that, that doesn't mean that you can't hunt there. I mean, there's plenty of monuments you can hunt. Um, but the fact was this one was under the jurisdiction of NPS. Okay. And right. And there's other monuments in the state under the jurisdiction of BLM that you and 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 Forest Service that you can hunt. Yep. But this one was transferred to NPS, and as a result, NPS said you, well, we don't have the infrastructure, whatever. I'm not sure exactly why they said you can't hunt there. Yeah. But um, they nixed it, even though adjacent in the Mojave National Preserve, also managed by NPS, you can hunt. So. Oh wow. I mean, so next door. Yeah, they're both literally adjacent. They're contiguous lands. They're both managed by National Park Service. So, you know, get into designations. And this is where, like, this stuff gets intricate. Um, You know, we've got National Forest, we've got BLM, we've got refuges, which we'll talk about. We've got monument. My assumption, anytime something says monument, my baseline is that it's not huntable because I haven't seen examples of where it is and i i have seen numerous examples of where it's not and so and also national park national parks are generally not huntable um so i think it's interesting that if the preserve next door is managed by nps and it is huntable that's interesting yeah and so we're undergoing an effort right now we've put together a letter and we've reached out to um the the district office over Nolte and we're going to be circling back with him soon because we've got a bunch of co-signers on this letter from great groups in the state yeah to transfer that land to the Mojave National Preserve okay. so it'll it'll maintain all the same restrictions as far as you know conservation protections but it's going to restore the hunting access that was lost and um, it's very straightforward bill we're uh, working with him to introduce that legislation and that's cool. just a an ongoing effort we've been doing we've been working on this when it was cook in that position and mm-hmm. obernolte's now there so we're hopeful we're going to keep trying and uh this is a lot of what bha does it's just you know yeah. public access so uh, is that a, that's a, that's going to be a federal that has to be federal legislation to to resolve that issue it would be a congressional bill yeah it would have okay. to be 
it would have to go through the whole ringer of, of getting approved in, in Congress. And that's not easy. So it's, no. it's not an easy <laughs> lift, but no, it's not, uh, but we've got to try, you know, that's, yeah. that's the only way these things are going to, we're going to get access back. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, um, hunting's open back up. Are bighorn sheep still protected? I, I assume that the whole everything in cat. I, I figured everything was just it was a bighorn sheep issue. But would would bighorn sheep then be? Uh, would there be a tag season available, or obviously CDFW would have to make that decision ultimately? How's how would that work out? Yeah, I that would be a CDFW decision, and okay. the goal is like throughout Southern California, throughout their range, you know, all of California, whatever we can do to support habitat for mm -hmm. bighorn sheep for these species that we enjoy hunting we're going to do it whether or not you can yep. hunt right there um i mean most of the work that we do is on lands you can hunt obviously okay. that's just that's where we're going to prioritize but in yeah. certain situations we are going to engage because we're we're supporting that herd and that migration corridor and that's just going to expand and the goal is oh hopefully we'll restore hunting access or in the adjacent lands they'll open up seasons for bighorn sheep, um, yeah. or, or mule deer, it'll be easier to draw a tag. And, sure. uh, maybe it's not, maybe it's not us, you know, but maybe our kids are going to do it one day and that's, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. I haven't so, I mean, looked I, at I it. it um, is that <laughs> in one of the X zones or is that like D D 12 or something like, is that one of the, the big D zone that's up against the border down there in South, yeah. Southeastern, the yeah, Southeastern desert? It's above D 12. Um, but it's not an X zone. It's a D zone. I forget okay. which number. Uh, yeah, it, it was not that hard to draw for a no. deer, at least. No, that wouldn't be normally. And so, and so the other thing is, is assume that all, you know, whatever, 5,000, assume all those tags are being, are being sold, you know, over the counter, essentially, maybe, maybe, in, maybe in the draw, but uh, if you carve out Castle Mountains National Monument, now the hunters are more concentrated elsewhere. And so if you can open up that land, it, re it reduces pressure elsewhere and gets everybody spread out a little bit better, um, which ultimately, Absolutely. you know, is good. So, all right. So, so something that we as hunters um, should try to keep track of is, is, is see where BHA can go with this Castle Mountains initiative. Um, how would people find out, you know, when there's actually legislation, you know, on the table to support how would we, how would people how would the hunting community in california know to to write their congressman as they say yeah so as soon as we get um <clears throat> as soon as uh over nolte agrees let's hope mm -hmm. he agrees to introduce this legislation then what we'll do is we'll send out emails we'll have action alerts on the okay. headquarters website we'll do social campaign push i mean i would say the best way is make sure that you're you're on our our email list right um being a member is great but just making sure that you're tracking on these issues. Cause we'll, as soon as there's something that you can advocate for and take action on, we, we try to make it really easy. All you do is go to the page. You've got a letter written out. Um, you can customize it if, if you want, but we yep. put the key information in there. You click send and boom, it goes out to all the congressional representatives that you need yep. to hit anyone that's supporting anyone that's on the fence. Um, it does all the work for you. 
I've used it. It's a great tool. And the fact that I can, you know, go in and in all caps, like, yes, support this. You know, I can, you know, you can add the fact that you can edit it and personalize it, I think is cool. Um, it's, it's a great tool. Um, can people get your email alerts? Do they have to be members or is that something that people can just sign up for and, and get on your distro list? Absolutely. Yeah. You don't have to be a member. Uh, okay. you know, our emails go out to any, any, really anyone that's taken an action alert and that agrees to get an email from us or signs up for the newsletter, right we'll get that. And so, yeah, you definitely don't have to be a member. Yeah, those are a good resource. And I realize that, you know, all of a sudden the you send out the alert and all of a sudden these these, you know, senators and house of rep, you know, these representatives, their inbox starts to go beep, 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 you know, starts tr tricking on, you know, tripping up with you know, a, thousand, a thousand of the same subject line. They know what's happening, but they also know that's a thousand people that are in their district that are paying attention and that give a damn and and that have an opinion about the subject. And so um, they don't print every one of those out and read them, I don't think, but, uh, it definitely is a, it gives them a barometer to use to know kind of what's a, what's, what's a hot topic and what people are, are really focused on and interested in. Um, what, uh, you, you mentioned the Oracopia mountains and Chuckwalla wilderness project. You guys are doing, you know, I, I love some of the projects that like the, the, Kevin from NWTF talked about the habitat management or habitat improvement projects that they're doing. Um, it sounds like, do you guys get involved with with hab other habitat improvement projects other other than the guzzlers or are the guzzlers your focus? Yeah, we, we engage anywhere and everywhere in the state that we can that's going to benefit water quality and wildlife and habitat. Okay. This, this year, reaching out to uh, BLM to the forest service, to every single organization that we've reached out to, they have come back to us with, we want you to do guzzler work. And it's like, Oh man, really? Like more guzzler work. Like, man, <laughs> like we just did a project. Like, so we, right. we have done some other things. We've worked with BLM. Um, we, we did a project up at Lamont Meadow okay. in the, the foothills of the Sierra Nevada, um, real Southern Sierra Nevada range. And that was uh, a riparian restoration area so uh really from what the biologist told us like really productive quail habitat great for bear great for uh, mule deer mm -hmm. and um so we supported we supported that effort and that was just a bha um we didn't have partners on that one but we had a okay. great turnout and um so we're we're 100 like open to any any projects it's just this year i think with the drought it yeah. just it just seems to be the hot button issue that all these organizations need help with guzzlers and there's just so much work out there. And, you know, just real quick to go back to Castle Mountains, there's, there was no funding for that, right? Like in the Mojave National Preserve, we've worked with a couple of different groups to complete projects like the old dad guzzler re replacement and mm -hmm. repair that, that was, we had funding from the Mojave National Preserve to help with okay. that. Um, that's another reason to transfer the land is because the Mojave National Preserve has better resources, better management, better funding to do these projects. Right. Castle Mountains, there's no money you know, and that's what it comes down to is the money. Yeah. Wow. Paying for this stuff. So the monument monument is, it's like a monument. It's just a static, like this is a piece of land. We can't do anything with it. We're not going to fund stuff with it. Whereas the preserve, there's more active long-term management and support for the, for the habitat there. From what I understand. Yes. I mean, I'm sure that they can do habitat work in the, the national monument, but yeah. the conversation that I had with with Neil, the, the biologist from the Mojave Preserve was, 
that it was way easier for him to get funding for projects in the preserve and that he really couldn't, he hadn't had any success Got in it. Castle Mountains. Do you have a, uh, one, one of the, one of my, my friends, followers, a uh, guy on the, um, Instagram reached out and said, Hey, I've got the, I've got the map with all of the guzzlers. Now, I don't know if there is such a thing, a map with all the guzzlers, but I, I hunted down in Arizona this last January, you know, for their over the counter archery deal. And then, so I drove back through the, through the desert twice. And I, I, in, in researching Arizona, I realized they are, they've got, they've got water tanks, you know, they've got ponds, they've got, solar powered wells out in the middle of nowhere they've got they've got a water you know water infrastructure support system throughout the state um and, it's public and i drove knowledge, across right? what's that and most of it is public knowledge right oh yeah like you can talk you can call that you can contact you can contact the biologists and they're like here's the map like here's where they are um it's just it's such a it's such a significant program that that it's you know it's 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 known um and it's supported and obviously it's funded and that's a big deal um, but I was driving across the desert and I'm like, gosh, it would be nice if California would do this, <laughs> you know, and, and then, and then lo and behold, you know, uh, weeks, month, a couple months later, I see popping up on BHA and a couple of, and CDFW posting up about these guzzler projects and, um, and, you know, some of the guzzlers, it sounds like they've been there for a while and maybe they've been out of repair for a while. What is, what is the state's like infrastructure like is there is there a lot more than two or three out there and it's just a matter of getting people and resources in place to bring them back up to speed or where are Man, we it's on such, it's such a good question I'm, I'm really glad you asked it i mean yeah. there's i second of all we're gonna we need to talk to your your buddy there with with the the map because i know I a lot of map. people that probably would would kill for that map Right. I mean, here, here's the thing. So we, we partnered with the Forest Service. We have memorandums of understanding with BLM, with the Forest Service, uh, with a number of these agencies to mm -hmm. support and complete habitat work on public lands. And so with the Forest Service, um, a friend of mine's the the local biologist here in, in San Diego for Cleveland National Forest. And uh, we were just having beers one day and he was like, man, I've got this project that I really need help with, and I wonder if BHA might be able to help. Mm -hmm. And so um, we talked about it and he he's tasked with monitoring, repairing uh, the maintenance of guzzlers on Cleveland National Forest. So I said, okay, how many guzzlers are we talking about? <laughs> he's like, well, there's 130 that we know of. No way. And I'm like, what, 130? Wow. And he's like, yeah, there's probably more. And then as we were going through it, he, he, there was like more like 160. Huh. And, and there's no central system. There's no record keeping for this because what happens is that, um, you know, there, there's a ton of great groups in the state that have been working on these. And, you yeah. know, I have to give it a shout out to all the, the people that have been managing these for, yeah. for decades and, and just going out there and putting these things in and repairing them and hauling water. Like there's a ton of work that's been done. Um, the, the work and that the locations of these guzzlers has been kept secret by Got it. by the organizations working on them and by the forest service and by purposely. BLM. Yeah, purposely. Yeah, and yeah, if you're gonna hunt, if it's dry and you got a you got water trickling out of the out of the out of the hill, it it can become an easy spot to hunt. Yeah, and and so the problem is that you know some 
people that have been managing these have aged out or some people, their records have been lost. (laughs) Records have been burned. Right. Literally like master folders have burnt up in house fires. And it's like, well, you didn't have a digital copy of that, that you shared with the agency. And it's like, that's just, it just hasn't happened. And so there that's, this is not everywhere. And this is just certain situations, but you know, um, we, we started this project with the forest service to, help them inventory catalog and repair guzzlers. So BHA has a program we do every year called hike to hunt. And mm-hmm. it's really just to get people out. It's encouraging people to put miles on public lands while you're scouting to get fit. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to go out and do a backcountry elk hunt, it, you better be prepared. And that's the whole purpose yep. is like, you know, get, get some miles in before the season, get out there. Um, and it's a fundraiser and it raises awareness for public lands. And there's a lot of great stuff that goes on there. But we tied the hike to hunt program with this guzzler inventory work with Forest Service to we gave each person that attended this pint night um, just a handful of coordinates. Okay. We had about 20 BHA volunteers out there investigating each coordinate <clears throat> that they were given. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, is there water? What's the status of the guzzler? Does it right. have repairs? Everything. And then we report back to the Forest Service. So we're not broadcasting the locations of these guzzlers right. to the whole world, but we're making sure that the agency has the information that they need. Wow. That's and, cool. Yeah. So we did this and then the biologist in San Bernardino reached out and said, Hey, <laughs> let's, do, let's do it again. <laughs> I've got like 200 guzzlers that I need help with. And I was like, Whoa, okay, well, let, let's see if there's some folks in San Bernardino that want to help. And then the yeah. regional sort of the wildlife program leader reached out. And we had a conversation and he has put BHA in touch with all of the biologists in the state. And we're tying in, we have a habitat watch program where we have volunteers that basically just report on activities in their region, you know, where they're recreating, where they're hunting. So they advise and ears on the ground. If there's issues, if there's public access problems, if there's habitat degradation, if people are trashing the lands, like whatever it is, they can report back to us. So we've connected our habitat watch volunteers with regional biologists. And that's, that's an ongoing process, but, um, the goal is to expand this type of communication in these projects across the state so that we can continue to support, you know, the, the agencies that really just don't have the funding or staff to be able to do this type of work, which is sad. And we need to make sure that they do, but that's the reality of the situation. So what's, what's the next step after, you know, we get after this, you know, 160, say if they found a hundred of them, they're now inventoried. What happens after that? you know, and, and, and where does, like, is this all coming from, from California chapter funding or does there, is there national funding support that you guys can pull in or how, what, what happens? So the next, so that's phase one, phase two will be just figuring out the cost. Um, and then phase three will be the repairs. So it's a little, it's a little bit of everything. I mean, we just did a project that was partially funded by the California chapter. So mm-hmm. California chapter paid for half of it. And then half of it was from a corporate partner. Okay. And uh, there's a number of great, you know, we have a ton of great corporate partners and a lot of these organizations have ecosystem grants and things like that, mm-hmm. that they're willing to throw at projects. So um, we, this project that I'm referencing was at Camp Pendleton, at okay. the military installation. We recently have uh, an officially sanctioned uh, non-federal entity status on base. Okay. And um, this is part of our armed forces initiative. So uh, this is like a larger program for BHA where we're working with active duty and veteran military members to uh, 
you know, just be involved with conservation to understand right. hunting and fishing regulations in their area to do skills camps, um, all sorts of really cool stuff. So we uh, funded and installed four guzzlers that were destroyed by a wildfire at Camp Pendleton. Okay. And so that was a little bit of both. It was partly our funding, partly uh, corporate partners. And from a big game species perspective, obviously, as you said, everything from a lizard that can crawl across the edge of that and get its tongue into the water up to, you know, predators and everything in between. Are these from a you know big game species? Is, is this primarily going to help, you know, the, the deer population the most? I think um, the deer, so the, bio, the uh, game wardens at, on base mm-hmm. had a bunch of guzzlers out and they really weren't attracting target species and they weren't getting hit very much. And so they did a, a reevaluation okay. and I know deer was a big one, but I think they've studied a lot of species, especially if there's like threatened or endangered species, they're going to sure. study those and uh, see if that's going to benefit them as well. You know, there's a lot of side benefits and, and some of these guzzlers are, were designed initially for small game or okay. like quail or, or chucker, or, you know, whatever, like yeah. upland, upland game birds for the most part. And there's been an effort, you know, I was just speaking with um, a biologist in the forest service in like the Bishop area. Mm-hmm. And she was mentioning a project that they have that they're looking for funding to uh, convert a bunch of these small game guzzlers to support all species. Mm-hmm. So instead of just, you know, one species, you're going to open this up to you know, really everything that's out there, which yeah. I don't see why you wouldn't want that. You know what I mean? I think right. um, that makes the most sense. And, and some of the small game guzzlers, you know, she sent me a pretty, uh, she's describing this scene of just a bunch of skulls in there because there's just oh, desperate geez. wildlife that gets in and then can't get out. Right. And it's right. Like, that's not the goal <laughs> of these things. It's to support wildlife. It's, not, it's not a, a trap. trap. <laughs> yeah. It's the death pool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's, that's not the goal. So there, there's a lot of, there's so much going on in the state and there's a lot of nuance and there's a, they sure. need a lot of support and there's not a lot of funding for it. Yeah. And that's where a lot of conservation groups are doing really good work beyond BHA. Um, but you know, we're, we're helping out where we can on this one as it's pretty critical this year. And that's, you know, that's where selfishly hunters are gonna, you know, hunters throw down a lot of money to support all kinds of stuff like this, especially if, the species that they want to hunt is included. <laughs> and so yeah. those, I can see those conversion projects being, you know, being popular, the, the upgrades or the, the repairs throughout Cleveland national, um, San Bernardino, I can see those getting a lot of support. Um, you guys are, are, you guys may become known for this type of project, which, which is great. Um, there will be a call from the, the central and north and west slope side parts of the state to say, hey, come on up here and do something in, the, in our habitat, too. But uh, yeah. those are good. Um, so I want to I want to touch on let, let's go back to the the, the original like seed that, that got this whole conversation started, which was the, the refuge issue. Um, so I did a, a quick look, thanks to the Internet. And um, it looks like there's about 40 U.S. you know federal fish and wildlife refuges in the state, and about 20 state wildlife refuges. And um, from what I can tell, and I'm happy to be corrected, from what I can tell, only one of these of the 40 federal refuges allows big game hunting deer. Um, I don't think any of them allow bear hunting. 
so across the 60 is does that does that sound right in terms of the raw numbers for state federal and where big game hunting is allowed yeah i don't i don't have the exact numbers but pretty much um you know i i know that sacramento river um you can hunt you can hunt big game yep um and and there's a number of refuges especially recently they've been open to like turkeys but i wouldn't count that as big game yep but it's encouraging um and to start (laughs) start. i'll go go with that i'll go with that. yeah yeah i mean we got to take what we can get in california and not you know just be happy with it but we got to make you know we got to just keep inching inching along until we get there well, and on that, and that's where that's where I think the hunting community needs to understand. You know, incremental wins are incremental wins. Like let's let's find out. You know, if, if we can't get the conversation going that allows us to deer hunt, but the person that you know the the org the organization or the agency, whoever's the controlling you know agency, is willing to hear us talk about and listen about you know, upland game, small game in addition to waterfowl, then let's have that conversation. And then, you know, after, after whatever time period needs to go past and it's, it's, it's a successful transition in relationship, then go back and say, okay, you know, it's working. Let's look at, let's look at other, other species as well. Um, so with the baseline, cause that's the baseline that I was coming in at when, when this Instagram post went up about HR, you know, house resolution 972 was that mm-hmm. it's not allowed. And so my concern when 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 the when the chapter Instagram post went up about HR 972 uh, the creation of a new national wildlife refuge in the Riverside County area um, I was like why are we supporting that? Like that doesn't make sense. We're not going to hunt nobody's going to be able to hunt it. And so I was quickly corrected like you know honey might be a possibility. And so I I'd like to get your your take on or, or you know, BHA's take on and on this particular legislation, you know, why it's needed, why 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 it's something that that the the hunting community and BHA would get behind. Absolutely, and this is just, you know, this is a deep dive. So yeah, there's just touching on on the refuges in the state. You know, a lot of these were established. Um, basically from duck stamp money. And, and so, a, you know, waterfowl has been the focus of a lot of these, the first refuges, you know, date back to um, 1903. I think Roosevelt was the first one to um, declare um, it was Pelican Island was like a breeding ground for birds. And then that was later codified by Congress and, and a number of other refuges came from there, but the whole system didn't really come into place until um I think it was 1966. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was just a little bit after the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service was established. And w- the Migra- Migratory Bird Conservation Act um, and, and the Migratory Bird Hunting Stamp Act, that's the Duck Stamp Act, that's where most of these refuges have been paid for. You know, there's billions of dollars that have come through that program that have supported sure. the expansion of national wildlife refuges. And I think that's why a lot of these lands have been prioritized in wetland areas. So some yeah. of them just aren't conducive to big game hunting because they're, they're wetlands, you know, and, and true, but there's definitely some in the state that could yeah. be conducive to big game hunting. Yeah. And that's where, 
that's where BHA, that's where some of our mission comes in. And that's what we're really working towards right now. So yeah. we'll touch on HR 972. And then I'd love to talk about just the process and, and what's happening with some of the other refuges and a campaign that we're currently doing to expand hunting and fishing access on, on wildlife refuges. Okay. So, so when I heard about HR 972, um, this is uh, from Calvert and Takano, mm-hmm. I believe, this is legislation that would establish a wildlife refuge in Western Riverside County. Um, it's a huge area that they're referencing in this plan. Yep. There's about 500,000 acres in the Western Riverside multiple species habitat conservation plan. Yeah. And that's the guiding principle for this, what would be this refuge. Um, now the refuge area would not be this whole land. The refuge would be a smaller subset in there of private lands, but they're using the, um, the MSHCP, I think that's the acronym for this, to guide this. Um, and that plan was basically with the, um, the federal government, the CDFW, and, and it's the, the goal is to support migratory corridors, to support threatened and, and endangered species and habitat for wildlife in the region. Yep. And that's to balance what's happening in, with the development of, of Riverside County, Western Riverside County, which is just has been booming so that they can more easily balance the needs of development and make sure that they're not squashing habitat along the way right. um, and, and that they're not leaving wildlife out in the cold. That's just kind of like, that goes back to 2003. That, that goes way back. But this effort has been going on a few years. Um, there's been a few attempts at this wildlife refuge. And when I heard about it, as someone that lives in Southern California, I thought, well, there's 350,000 acres of public land there in the forest and BLM in the MSHCP plan area in Western Riverside County. That's a couple national forests. That's BLM land. Yeah. And I was like, immediately. It's disjointed though. It's not, it's kind of, it's it's kind of all over the place. Correct. I mean, yeah. When you look at the map, it's just, yeah, it's, it's all over the place. Okay. So I, I immediately reached out to Calvert's office. I had a conversation with our government relations manager and and his staffer, um, Richie O'Connell. And I just said, Hey, what's going on with this? Like, we need some more information. Um, what's the plan here? Is hunting going to be allowed in this refuge? Like what's, Mm -hmm. what, what's happening. And he, he had some information, but didn't have all the answers. And so he passed this on to the RCA manager, David Knudsen for the Riverside County transportation authority or transportation commission. Uh, and, and David had to get back to us, but, um, he, what he let us know is that, so there's, there's 150,000 acres in this plan area that they have to acquire based. There's just an agreement with the federal government, with state government that they need to acquire this land and use it for conservation purposes. From who? From private landowners. Um, so that could be through, that could be through donations. That could be through sale of deeds. Um, eminent right. domain is really never used in this. It's, no. theoretically possible but it's not used so they're buying land um why private landowners to create habitat for wildlife to basically fulfill the the goals of the mshcp so that they're making sure that as they're developing they're they're setting aside habitat um and and they haven't really met that goal so part of this initiative is to make sure that they meet that goal and the, this private land, I mean, there's not like, this is not like a bunch of houses. This isn't. No, um, no. This is like rural chaparral. A lot of, most of it is. Sure. Is 
is not um, it's not where your people are living. And so at least what they've carved out for this, you know, proposed area. Right. And, and so they haven't really met that goal. I think they've only acquired 60 to 80,000 of the 150,000 acres. Well, the agencies that are involved in this, you know, the, the multi-county you know, species habitat plan that you're referencing, none of them have a funding mechanism probably or a, or a good funding mechanism to, to acquire land. I right. Guess. I mean, it's, it's exactly there's, it's out there, but it's not top of their priority. So if no one's right. holding their feet to the fire, they're not really going to jump on this stuff. Right. And, um, but they've, they've taken a decent chunk, you know, yeah. uh, more than half, I think it was, or, or the yeah. third to a half. And so, but right now that land that is owned, that is managed by the RCA, uh, you can't hunt there. There's no hunt program. So that's, you know, land that's basically just being held uh, that will never be allowed to access and hunt. And the goal is to have 150,000 acres that of private land that will never be, you'll never be allowed to hunt there under uh -huh. this current system. So there's the proposed legislation from Calvert HR 972 that would establish this area as a national wildlife refuge. Okay. And that would facilitate the acquisition of the land. There's a lot of mechanisms through the National Wildlife Refuge Program that allows for land acquisition, mm -hmm. um, like the LWCF, mm -hmm. um, monies from the Great American Outdoors Act, um, the migratory bird, like duck stamp, like all these things can be used to facilitate land acquisitions for national wildlife refuges, to my understanding. I mean, I, I'm certainly yeah. not an expert on this stuff, but I'm trying to get up to speed. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so this would help facilitate the land acquisition. And if it became a national wildlife refuge, then there's a good chance that there will be a hunt program because hunting is under the big six of the national wildlife refuge. Um, you know, there was legislation in 1997. It's the national wildlife refuge system improvement act. Uh -huh. And this was in response to some sort of litigation. Um, but it, it establishes, and there's, you know, on the congressional record, it states, and I quote, it is the policy of the United States that where a proposed wildlife dependent use is determined to be compatible on an individual refuge, the activity should be facilitated. And okay. it explicitly states hunting and fishing among the six priority uses for national wildlife refuge lands and waters. So that really codified it uh, more than it ever was that, you know, these are top of the list should be prioritized under national wildlife refuges. Now that comes, that's where things get really complicated. <laughs> and this comes down to essentially the refuge manager, right? And it's the refuge manager's decision at, at, and, and hunting and fishing and these, these wildlife dependent recreation activities have to be, uh, they can't go contrary to the purpose of the wildlife refuge. Mm -hmm. um, so they can't be, you know, basically like working against a lot of these, uh, initially this was, you know, kind of to restrict what was, um, I think there was like some boat issues with boating and issues with, um, military operations. And there's issues with, um, different like extractive industries that were, mm -hmm. you know, it's basically like, Hey, we're not creating habitat here. We're destroying habitat. So these are mm -hmm. not conducive to the purpose of the wildlife refuge. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that refuge manager, uh, basically uh, submits a recommendation to the regional director and then uh, the regional director or the regional manager pushes that up to, you know, basically 
the head uh, of the Department of Interior. And, and that's yeah. where we get these annual recommendations to expand hunting and fishing. And if you, you know, if you pay attention every year, it really starting under the Bush administration, mm-hmm. but, you know, Bush, um, Obama, mm-hmm. Trump, Biden, mm-hmm. they've all expanded hunting and fishing access on wildlife refuges pretty much every year. Got it. So I read, I read the, I read the legislation. It's like, it's eight pages. It's super, it's super simple. Um, yep. And it left me wanting, left me wanting more <laughs> because me to me, it, it, it proposes, it actually wraps up a 1.5 million acre area that, that, the, that current, um, the map, as I look, I went to the map for the, uh, what's it called? The, um, the multiple, you know, the Riverside County multiple species habitat conservation plan is that it, the map that I went to said it's one and a half million acres, um, obviously, and with multiple count, you know, multiple agencies, lots of different private landowners, just lots of different uses. So I was confused about that. And then the numbers that were, that were called out, you know, the 175,000 acres, possible huntable, you know, et cetera. It doesn't really identify what the mechanism is to allow hunting. It just and, says that, you know, the, the, the secretary of the interior basically gives the secretary of the interior authority to do anything. They can buy the land, they can shut the land down. They can, they can, they can, you know, it's, it's an administrative decision on everything within this really large area. Um, and so me being, you know, cynical, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so the current plan, the way it's set up, doesn't let somebody develop their land <laughs> and they can't sell it unless this thing's set up and they're going to sell 175,000 acres of their undevelopable land to the federal government because they'll write a big check. <laughs> so that's that's me as as the reader who's cynical you know, and so I, I want to know how do we have a mechanism? Like, what's the mechanism to know that hunting and access is actually going to be impro- allowed and, and improved? Or is it just a matter of trust? So, yeah, the way that's written is a little confusing. Um, but the the wildlife refuge area mm-hmm. will be that 150,000 acres. Um, it it defers to the MSHC. Even though that's not in, that's not in the the legislation the legislation basically defers to that um that plan and that plan is for the whole region but there there's a map of the proposed area we wrote a blog on this one and i got that map from the so there's a proposed um, refuge inside of that larger area correct and that's the private land area that doesn't include um the national forest land that doesn't include the blm land Okay. Um, and that's what we, that's where I initially, I had the exact same reaction as you and I was yeah. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like what is going on here? And then <laughs> we had to dig deeper because obviously if it's going to be anti, if it's going to restrict access to public lands, we're not going to be, we're going to be all over that one. Um, right. but this one, so all of the public land, all the national forest, the BLM, none of those jurisdictions change. Those are all the same. You can still hunt, you can still fish. Nothing changes there. It's just okay. that private land that's going to be acquired. Got it. going to be carved into this new wildlife refuge. And so for us, it's like, well, we, you know, we worked with Calvert's office and we said, Hey, we want to like, see 
some explicit hunting and fishing here. You know, right. this is, this is what we care about. And, and the response we got was like, Oh, we're pro hunting and fishing and, and we support this. And so that's, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. But we want, like, right. we want to see something in hand, right? The, right. what happened with castle mountains where supposedly there was going to be no change. And then at the 11th hour, all of a sudden there's no hunting. That's not what we want to see happen again. Right. And so we're, we're wary about those types of, of designations a hundred percent. We, we absolutely do the due diligence there. Yeah. But the way these national wildlife refuges work is that, uh, it's, it essentially comes down to the decision of the refuge manager, whether or not to institute a hunt program. And that refuge manager is, you know, accountable, um, has to report to the regional manager and that regional manager and goes up the chain. But it, it really comes down to that person. So we have to hmm. be really engaged from the start. And that's yeah. where I think California has missed out on a lot of these is that just there's haven't been groups being engaged because regardless of what happens here, regardless yeah. of what we do, unfortunately, like judging by the politics of the state and the, the general trend, like these things will probably pass, right? There will be these large federal designations of land, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, not unfortunately, but just, it's just, if you look at what's hap what happens in the state historically, there's good support for this from con the Congress, from um, the residents of the state. And so sure. what we need to do is we need to be out front working um, and advocating and, and collaborating with every single group that we can in the state to right. make sure that we're advocating for hunting to be allowed. And yeah. so, you know, if we can support the, the initiative and develop that rapport, but at the same time say like, this is important. This is where the money is coming from to buy this. The duck stamp that hunters purchase, those, that billion dollars has funded the majority of land acquisitions for these refuges. Like right. we are an right. integral part of this system. And, and I think as hunters and anglers, we need to be a little bit more vocal there and we have to be organized. And so, you know, what, it doesn't stop here with like a blog. Hey, here's this thing happening. You no. know, um, we, we're going to be continuing to collaborate with other groups in the state. If this legislation continues, it passed unanimously in the house natural resources committee. So, uh, it has, it has been moving, but who knows yeah. what will happen. Yeah. Um, it, it could pass. And, and so we need to be active writing support letters for hunting and fishing on the refuge making sure that we're engaged there and that we're engaged with Calvert's office and that we're engaged with Takano and all these different congressional representatives. And we say, Hey, we're in your district. Right. And we, we support the habitat work. We support conservation. We want to see wildlife. We want to see good quality water. We want to yeah. see these things happen, but we don't want to see that at the expense of, of hunters and anglers and public access. And right. so that's where we really have to sink our teeth in. Um, and that's where we we're, we're working across the state. So this is just, you know, let's just call it pie in the sky right now, yeah. um, in Southern California, it's pretty ambitious. Who knows if it'll go anywhere, but there's some other real tangible opportunities in the state that we're looking at. Um, and we've got, a, a coalition, a collaborative with, um, with Cal waterfowl and TRCP and TU to look at opportunities across the state and say, where can we expand hunting and fishing? So, yeah. you know, there's, there's some private lands that we were looking at near Calusa that we worked, reached out to the refuge manager to try and look at, Kate, hey, can we use LWCF funding to 
bring some of these rice paddies in and that's going to expand hunting access there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, San Joaquin river, we reached out to Kim Forrest is the refuge manager there with Cal waterfowl. And that's one where, you know, they basically said, Oh, we need to flood this refuge in order to have a hunt program. And we're like, well, you can have a fantastic big game hunt program. You don't need a waterfowl hunt program. Right. To start. There's a lot of big game. Yeah, there's deer, there's pigs. Like we can hunt stuff right now. We don't need right. to get water rights and to flood and drain this whole wetland yep. in a drought year. Um, that's not going to happen. Uh, huh. So, but, and, and so like the interesting thing, and this is where the dynamic really comes into play is that, you know, the San Joaquin river and the Sacramento river, these are very similar refuges. They're, mm-hmm. they're not that, you know, they have very similar characteristics and you can hunt on the Sacramento river refuge. And the reason why I was the refuge manager was open to hunting. Yep. He was pro hunting and the refuge manager at the San Joaquin river is maybe I don't want to say what her opinion is, but she hasn't instituted a hunt program yet. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, you can elevate that to the regional manager, Paul Sousa is the re- regional manager. And, and we certainly will continue to, and we, you know, the plan is, is to, if we can't, if we want to reach out to the, to, re- to the refuge manager, and if that doesn't work, um, then we're going to reach out to the regional manager and they're usually going to defer to the refuge manager. Sure. And so at that point, it's time to get a congressman involved or multiple congressmen and say, Hey, right. We're in your district. This is really important to us. Yeah. And so that's where we get the congressman involved. We get all the constituents, we get a support letter, we get this whole community of hunters and anglers and, and we write a support letter and we put pressure and we say, Hey, there's good science. There's good evidence. There's good economics for doing this. Like, yep let's start a hunt program. And it doesn't even have to be something that's state funded or, you know, there's a, there's examples of like CWA has uh, private contracts mm-hmm. for basically establishing, you know, check stations and doing hunt programs on refuges for waterfowl hunts. So right. there's a lot of different mechanisms. It could be federal, it can be state, yeah. but the, the, at the end of the day, it comes down to, are we engaged? Are we active? Are we elevating this and do we have all the voices together? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you have to be at the table, you know, if you want to get fed um, and you know, you gotta be in the arena if you want to play the game. And so we've got to, even, even when it's uncomfortable <laughs> um, or it feels like you're, you're, we're fighting uphill, we've got to be engaged in it. I guess, I, you know, I, you, you had the same reaction as me. It's like, I'm reading this. I'm like, I, can I get something more explicit? um with 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 that and, and we're I think, always going to advocate for that too right i mean yeah the more we can get in writing a hundred percent like we're yeah. we're pushing hey we want to see this in the legislation yep. and so but sometimes that's going to be a tough sell and and especially in california you know or in right. in a liberal state in a liberal um congress yeah yep. sometimes those things are harder to do so you have to you have to work within the system to to, to make the change. And, and that's where, you know, like to, to talk about just all the different designations, Yeah, you know, it doesn't just stop at national wildlife refuges. There's, there's national monuments that, mm-hmm. um, you can hunt, you know, we talked about that in the beginning, right? Yep. Castle mountains is one example, but there's a lot of national monuments <laughs> that you can hunt in the state that are not managed by NPS. So there's, there's a national monument that's under BLM, that's under the National Landscape Conservation System. Yep. And most of those you can hunt. 
you know, Carrizo Plain, Mojave Trails, Berryessa, Snow Mountain. Yeah, Santa Snow Mountain is a good Santa example. That's a, that's a great example. And I appreciate that because when I heard it was a national mine, I was like, oh, crap, this isn't good. But then I looked deeper. It's like, oh, you, you, but we can hunt it because it's on, it's BLM. Exactly. And it's, 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 some of these are co-managed by the forest service and BLM. Yeah. But in general, you know, BLM and, and the forest service have been really active. And so there's another one there. There's the California coastal monument, which is essentially like the whole coast of the state from mm. like the rocky outcroppings is a national monument. A lot of people don't know that, but they have, ex they expanded that. I don't, I think it was Obama that expanded it towards the end of his uh, term. And in Santa Cruz, in a county where there's no public land open to hunt, I think it's a 99% at least wow. is not open to hunting. Here's a parcel of 5,000 5, some acres that um, it's called the Katani Coast Dairies National Monument. That's going to open up <laughs> next year, I believe. It was like an old dairy farm that um, essentially was like under BLM. And, yeah. and so BLM was advocating for hunting. Um, it yeah. was in their plan and it was, you know, according to like the director of the area, he said like, you can hunt on BLM land. This is part of what BLM land's about. We want to see hunting here. Yep. And then everything was approved except the hunting. So the California coastal commission said like, well, we're going to defer hunting here until phase two. We'll talk about that later. And then it's right. like, what was hunting was then just a youth hunt. And then it's just an archery youth hunt. And that's just an archery youth hunt for like maybe one or right. two species. And then right. this is only like four or five weekends out of the year. And it's like, well, I mean, at a certain point, like, can you still call it hunting access? If right. It's like, you're yeah. going to let a couple why of, bother? I mean, why bother? But, but even still, like there is good evidence to show that if you get like a hunt program, even just a youth hunt program on some of these places, it's easier to expand. Sure. So, so obviously we're going to advocate for the whole enchilada, but um, the point is, is that if we're not there commenting, yeah. Um, if BHA, if sportsmen in the state, if we're not out there advocating and, and speaking up at these hearings and these public comment periods about the importance of hunting, yeah. uh, we will, we will get drowned out by the, the numerous voices that are advocating for hunting not to be there. Yeah. Yeah. The, all the other voices are either not talking about it at all because they don't care or, or they're, or they're actually prefer to not see it there. Um, you, you started down the line of like the words that I like to keep saying, it's like economics, like science, psychology, ecology, physiology, you know, human history, everything says hunting has benefits to us as individuals and as a community and to the wildlife. And so we got to beat that drum quite a bit. Um, what, and maybe, maybe this isn't top of mind, um, but the state wildlife refuges, Dixie Mountain, French Meadows, these are inland, like mountain, you know, Sierra Nevada refuges uh, that don't allow hunting. And actually, I think it was back in 2008, legislation was proposed, it was determined that they weren't accomplishing the conservation and wildlife management goals of the refuge system. And there was proposed legislation to basically dissolve them and, and allow hunting, allow, you know, access to these lands, just like you can any other national forest area. Um, how do we get that into BHA's, you know, docket of, of, of work? 
Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a huge one. And, um, and that's all in the state. Like that's, that's not a, that's not a federal issue. Yeah. And as, as any like hunter knows in the state, the mm-hmm. state lands are, are not very conducive to hunting access. I mean, mm-hmm. there's few examples of state lands you can hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one recent one that I found out like school lands, um, or state lands are unless posted open to hunting. So that's kind of an interesting one. There was a bill that regarded that involves school lands. And so I looked into that and I thought like, Hey, here's some state land you can hunt unless mm-hmm. it's posted. I mean, that's the law in California, unless you posted it, it's you're allowed to hunt there. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's, I think there's a ton of different designations and some of them like through CDFW and you go on the website and you try and figure out, you know, like, okay, we've got uh, wildlife areas and ecological reserves and state recreation areas and state lands and school lands. And, and a lot of these things, there's limited hunting access. Yeah. And so I think especially where there's limited hunting access, we need to work to expand that. And that's working with the department. And I think when you, when it comes down to it, when you have these conversations, a lot of it just comes down to funding. There just is not staff to do a hunt program. And that's what I've heard time and time again is like, yeah. oh, well, you know, like we just don't have the staff or the capacity to expand that hunt program. But the the department is getting a windfall of cash this year. I mean, they're going to have their budget looks like it's going to be about a billion dollars, yeah. which, you know, in, in years past has been sort of like 500, uh, 500 million. So there's uh, 200 new positions that are supposed to be coming into the department. There's a lot more money. And um, it's it's really important that we're, we're basically just getting together as sportsmen in the state to make sure across these conservation groups and um, that we're, we're amplifying the message to these regional decision makers. Because a lot of times it comes down to a, a few individuals uh, that are making the decisions. You know, Bureau of Reclamation Lands are another example in the state. You can mm-hmm. hunt on most BOR lands unless it's stated otherwise. And that comes down to the manager. So how do we engage with these managers? Yep. Do we do a stewardship project on those lands? Can we support habitat, develop a relationship, and then advocate and, and, and get a whole, get the, the congressman, get the sportsmen all around this issue? And, yeah. and that's how I think we get things done personally. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, that's how we need to do it. I am. Um... I'm going to challenge, I'm going to send you the, 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 the state issue because I think these are, I don't even think these are state owned. I think it's the, a line was drawn on a map of national forest land. Like, and this is a refuge where CDFW said, like, you can't go hunt or it was legislatively done. Um, and so it's not that if they, undo, if they dissolve those, those borders of like the French Meadows refuge or the Dixie Mountain refuge, I don't think you need to manage it any differently than you manage the national forest land on the other side of of that of that boundary um and i think from a like a position statement that resonates with me for what to to be in sync with backcountry hunters and anglers in the state like this is a big issue obviously and i could see uh opening 20 <laughs> state wildlife refuges to big game hunting would be a huge i mean it'd be it'd be quite the it it would be it would be huge but it it would be something that would draw in i think anybody that's that's an advocate for state you know wildlife management through hunting um you know conservation is going to get on board with you to support that um 
that would be a huge win in spreading uh, hunters out. Um, it would be, it would just be tremendous. And so I, I will, I want to dig into the 972 a little more. I, I think, you know, the fact that there is precedence in terms of new, there's legislation, I think, would you say it goes back to 86 when it was woven into basically the, the, the mission for the refuges to, to have hunting as an activity? Was that... uh, well, I mean, hunting has been since its inception. I mean, like these things are really like created by some of like the, yeah. Um, the grandfathers, great granddaddies of, of conservation and hunting, but it was 1997 that it was really codified in Congress, Thank the you. big six, uh, the that recreation yeah. activities. So I think the thing to look at, you know, for me having some skepticism is, is what, what refuges have been de developed since then and have they stuck with that, that, um, that big six, ha have they stayed with it? And then I think the example, and if it's not in your blog, I'll, I'll, I'll check your blog and I'll link it in the show notes here for the podcast. Um, I think seeing where there's been a trend of, you know, there's been more expansion of hunting on refuges than there has been a contraction. Uh, I think, you know, those two absolutely would be good indicators, especially if it's localized within the state, that would help too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's been, there's been, uh, a tremendous amount of expansion in the last four administrations. That's um, great. You know, if you just look at, so like just this year at Don Edwards, they're going to add 118 new day, new days to hunt Kern okay. river or Kern national wildlife refuge is going to add, expand their program 30 more days. Um, if you look at nationally, yeah, big game hunting and the expansion of big game hunting is all over the place. And you look at, I mean, unfortunately, like it's, it probably comes down to the politics in the state. Sure. And so you're looking at some of the states that are traditionally more conservative or, um, you know, Republican leaning, and they're going to have these programs that, uh, are more conducive to, to big game hunting and just hunting in general. And then yeah. you look at, you look at California. I mean, so, to do, so to put it in perspective, um, there are 427 refuge units open to hunting and 376 open to fishing. Okay. And there's, uh, I think, shoot, what is it? I think there's like 580, um, total 568, I believe, um, total. So yep. the majority you can hunt on about 80%. Um, yep. Yeah. But in California, it's like a quarter, <laughs> right? So it's what's up with that? And then yeah. the big game hunting is like one. Yeah. It's so one out of 40. But if you look at like what happened a few years ago under Trump, like Trump expanded turkey hunting at Calusa, at yep. Delavan, at yep. Sacramento, um, and then and Sutter. So, you know, there the trend is in the direction of of hunters and anglers. But the the issue is that like we we just have to be advocating for it. I yep. think. And I think that's an important thing. You know, a lot of times as, as a hunting community, especially in California and maybe everywhere, but I, you know, very much California is we, we always feel like we're getting kicked to the curb and, and we're always, you know, we always see things through a lens of they're just trying to take away our rights. They're just trying to, and, and, and sometimes they are a, a minority of the time. There's actually a purpose to, to take away our rights, but sometimes, um, they're not. And in this case, the data would show in terms of acres available that it's gotten better over the last several, several years. Um, and so 
knowing that but not being satisfied with it is is where we can continue to to push that kind of push that trend further in our favor um but as you've said we have to be willing to sit down at, and have the conversation with the agencies that we may not agree with at that time we still have to have the conversations with them and we have to put the pressure on on the refuge managers and yep. and we have to use science you know yep. when when hunt anti-hunting laws happen in california they're they're based on emotion yep they're the bobcat bobcat hunting ban was emotional yep um but we need to be supporting science on mm -hmm. predator management and research mm -hmm. science on on big game hunting and and supporting these programs to CDFW so that we can take that science and then say like, here is your proof that hunting is going to be conducive from a biological standpoint, from a conservation standpoint, from an economic standpoint. Yep. And then, and then when we have that conversation, um, when we elevate it, it's like, yeah, let's have a debate on this, you know? And, and when you have the, the data and the science and everything on your side, it's like, okay, how, how are you going to not side with the best practices and the best science available? So that's, right. I think that's where we win, right? Is when we have the data. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, hopefully down in San Joaquin, uh, maybe that change happens and more people, you know, they, they put the they put the Xbox down on the weekend and they go out and walk around in the in the <laughs> in the sun in the fresh air and and try to try to get some uh, some animals, get some fresh organic meat to take home. And that's what hopefully the, the, the agency, you know, the, or the, the refuge manager realizes is get people getting out to do this pursuit, you know, to hunt is, is good for them. It's good for those people that are doing that. It's good for the community that's engaged in it. Um, not just, you know, even if they don't succeed in, in honey in, in the harvest, it's good for them. Um, well, cool. This is this is great. I mean, this is a good conversation. I know I know we could go down a couple more channels or paths on this and other issues, but um, I appreciate the perspective and you know the activity that you're doing with guzzlers um, is rad. I mean, it's pretty cool. You know, I, I think that the fact that you're helping at least two of the national forests um, in Southern California dig up and find, you know. Discover the status of almost 400 guzzlers in you know total between the two forests. It sounds like is great. Um, that would be a, a really neat to follow and see what happens after they've been documented. Um, so I, I think yeah, that would be something that I would look to to the BHA, you know, social media and website to see what's going on there. And then in terms of, you know, HR 972 and these other refuge uh, access issues, um, definitely want to track that and, and see how the hunting community in California can, can help be a voice to support what you're saying. And when you guys are at that table, that there's, you know, there's a good audience behind you saying, yes, you know, this is what we want in, in the state. Yeah, and it doesn't stop at refuges. You know, it's these no. national monument designations, right? Yeah. It's uh, any any type of change uh, for public access. You know, we, I just, I, I think the one thing to stress is that, you know, we are a hundred percent, you know, bipartisan organization, and we're going to work with any administration, any person that's going to support hunting well, and fishing and conservation. You, you have, have to. to. I mean, there's like, no other option, especially in that, California. And that's that's a point at which. Um, 
there's a point at which you have to be uh, agnostic or just willing to look the other way on on things you might disagree on in order to achieve the core mission. Um, as long as what as long as there's not a conflict within the core mission, and and like I said earlier, you know, hunters are one percent less than one percent of the population. We're going to disagree with a lot of people on some things. <laughs> <laughs> and so we got we've got to find that middle ground that uh, that, that where they can where we can agree on the things that are most important to us uh, to get those allies. The Castle Mountain Monument, yeah, definitely something that I want to track. And I think a lot of us in the hunting community should track that. And and when the time comes uh, that there is legislation to to change the status of that monument um, so that there's hunting. Uh, either either via how it's managed or which agency manages it or that it's merged into the preserve, the Mojave Preserve. I think that's something that we need to be looking out for and, and be ready to support you with. Yeah, I appreciate it. We'll we'll put out the, the call to uh, to everyone on that one. And um, yeah, appreciate the, the right. opportunity to, to, to get on here and talk about some of this stuff. Like you mentioned, there's there's so many more rabbit holes and there's so many more land designations and opportunities in the state and state wildlife refuges are a great example, but, um, we're going to continue to expand and, yeah. and to advocate for hunting and fishing in California and, uh, continue to work on, on behalf of the wild public lands, waters and wildlife in the state and getting after it. And we've got, uh, some really, really cool events coming up. We're doing like a rifle range day, uh, North LA next, next weekend, nice. just, uh, help get folks out. get sighted in for the deer season, make sure their, their zeros on and they're dialed in. Good. I uh, just want to say best of luck to everyone getting after it. I know deer season's opening up here for, for me pretty soon. I know a, a bunch of you guys are already chasing, chasing yeah. lilies and blacktail around the state. So um, best of luck, shoot straight yeah. and uh, look forward to, to listening to this podcast and to yeah, thank you. On with it. I want to talk to you about arrows at some point. I, I know you, you know a thing or two about arrows, so um, maybe that'll be another a different a different hat you can wear um, another time. But uh, really appreciate it, and uh, yeah, best of luck with your with what are your hunts this year? What 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 kind of tags did you able to were you able to put in your pocket? Well, um, so I'm not doing antelope again this year. My wife and I we've got uh, we're doing the unthinkable. We have our second kid coming in the middle of hunting season. Ah. I can hear the You're busy. The chorus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> however, when I said that to my wife, I was like, man, we really, really messed up. Like we're, we're having Timing. a kid during hunting season. And she goes, nonsense. What do you think paternity leave is for? That's right. That's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> see. So, so I've got an A22. I've got an AO. Um, I do a lot of archery hunting. I've got a pig yeah. tag. Cool. And uh, I'll be staying in California. I'll be staying pretty close to home. Um, the baby's yeah. due in October, yeah. but, uh, I, I plan on, on punching a, a local deer tag and, and maybe doing a pig hunt and I'll yeah. continue to, to do some spear fishing and cool and get after it on the kayak. So, well, so yeah, you've got two deer, deer tags. And so you, you're not that locked down. <laughs> you're at least you're planning for, for some opportunity, which is great. Oh, I'll, I'll be spending plenty of time out there. Like, like she said, paternity leave and, uh, yeah. You know, with, with last year with COVID and everything, we didn't have grandparents to help out, but grandparents right. are itching to come in and help out with the, the kids. So going to take that kid. as an opportunity to get up in a tree stand and yeah. uh, hopefully, yeah, 
Hope yeah, Seki, kid, you guys got this. And she's going to be tired of you being home all day anyways. So she'd be like, will you please go and, and, and hunt and come back with some, some venison? <laughs> yeah, and I do 3D archery shoots with my daughter all the time. And I put her in that pack and she falls asleep like instant. And she'll sleep for like an hour. So yeah. I'm going to do a spot and stock with uh, the one-year-old on my back. <laughs> and uh, I'll let you guys know if I, if I get anything. I mean, I'll probably have better luck bold. with her than I do normally. Yeah, bold. Stay away from the poison oak. <laughs> All right, man, Devin, I'm going to, I'm going to stop this now. Um, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll, we'll have you back again and um, I'll make some good you know notes, uh, links and stuff in the show notes. So people can, can, can follow these, follow you guys and, um, and kind of see where the, the hunting community in California needs to get involved and, and throw some support behind some of these initiatives when it's the right time. Right on. Cool. Thank appreciate you. Uh-huh. Okay, that's a wrap on conversation with backcountry hunters and anglers of California, Devin O'Day. Check out the show notes and uh, click through on those links that I've got in there. Uh, it'll give a little more background on the backcountry hunters and anglers activity in terms of national wildlife refuges, uh, the HR 972 uh legislation itself and BHA's blog about it and how it's uh, how it's a net net you know net positive for us as hunters in the state um, and then a good example of their opposition to the bear hunting ban that was proposed earlier this year so um, follow these guys uh, I encourage you to sign up for their legislative alerts so you know what they've got going on both at the national level and the state level um, you don't have to agree with everything they're going to do. And, um, you know, similarly, we've got a lot of other organizations out there that we want to partner with us, uh, even though they might not agree with everything that we want. So uh, we've got to find some middle ground and select the projects and principles where we've got alignment, push those forward, and ultimately, uh, over the long haul, build a stronger more active California hunting community and a better overall status and standing of what's important to us here in the state of California. So thanks for listening through on the podcast. And um, you can find me on Instagram, hunting ain't easy at Instagram. Love seeing our new followers there. And more importantly, love seeing um, the feedback that you're sending and the questions and your, your contribution to the show that way. So hope you all have a great warm late summer and that you're getting ready for deer season coming up. Take care.